0: For from you are all things and to you are all things. You deserve the glory, Lord. You deserve the praise. It's from you that we have all that we have and we're grateful today, Lord. You're worthy, Lord God. You're worthy, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Yes, Jesus. You deserve the glory amen 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 open your bibles with me if you would the second thessalonians chapter 3 verse 16 through 18 and our children are dismissed to core kids our core kids are dismissed something like that amen we're gonna get it we're gonna get it right praise the lord 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. All right, when you got to say so. so, and it reads like this, this is God's holy word. It says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way the lord be with you all the salutation of paul with my own hand which is a sign in every epistle so i write the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you all amen well we thank you for your word that is truth we thank you for your grace and we thank you because we know that you are here in our midst and we know lord god that you brought us here today because you want to do something in our lives you want to change us from glory to glory and so i pray today that We would be hearers of your word that would be respondent to you, that we would not only hear what you say, but that we would obey what you say, that we would repent where we need to repent, that we would have faith where we need to have faith, that we would stand firm where we need to stand firm, that we would honor you, Lord God, that above all things, that we would believe your word in a tangible way, God. Father, I pray that you glorify yourself in the lives of each and every person before me and that you would use me in these next few moments to speak to them for you. I pray this in Jesus' good name. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, would you just raise your hand? We want to make sure everyone has an outline. Outlines are very important to me. Uh, we want to make sure that you are able to follow along with me in the sermon. We want to make sure that you answer the questions that are there. There's some introspective questions like what do you believe the Lord spoke to you and how will you apply this? Very, very important, right? We don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers. And then there's also the opportunity for you as a disciple of Jesus to help someone else grow in their faith. And so you want to do that. And the only way that that's going to happen is if you are proactive. And so I ask you every week and I I'm I'm assuming, I'm hoping that I will never forget to ask you this question until the day that I stop preaching. Are you discipling someone? Are you helping someone grow in their faith? If you are not, my challenge is that you would help them grow in their faith, that you would help them move into their maturity in Christ. That's very important for you. And I will tell you this, if you are not helping anyone, now hear what I'm about to say. If you are not helping someone else grow in their faith, you are not really growing in your faith. Mm Mm-hmm. That's how we're starting off. Two minutes in. Glory to God. If you are not helping someone grow in their faith, you are not growing in your faith. Because you're not being obedient to the Word of God. The Word of God tells us that we are to make disciples, that we are to teach everything that Jesus has taught to help people grow. So we must be trying to help other people grow in their faith. So we are in the last sermon of the, basically it's the last sermon of the year, really. Um, Next week, I will not preach a full sermon. Next week, we are having our Christmas presentation, The Greatest Gift. Can we give God a hand for that? Um, I am i am so grateful to everyone that has participated in this i mean i i would i'll name all the names at another time but you know today i just want to say thank you to everyone who has participated who's made sacrifices to be at practices who've learned their lines amen amen you know, um, you know who, are, who are making the efforts to be there. I really appreciate that. You know, it's going to be a special, special day. It's already a special day in and of itself, but it's going to be that much extra special because you've made the effort. So I just want to say from here, from my heart, I'm so grateful to you because if it wasn't for you, I'd be doing everything. I'd be the little lambs, you know, I'd be the baby in the manger, I would be Joseph and Mary. I don't know how I would do that, but I would do it all, you know, and then i will be I'll be the narrator, I'd be doing everything, it'd be terrible play, it would be terrible, um, and it'd be too much to remember for one person. So nonetheless, um, I'm not going to do that, but I thank you for you participating in that, and in that thought, I want you to think about who can you bring next week. There's a video that we're going to see during the offering time, and that, that video is going to encourage you to bring someone, but I want you to pay attention to the things that are going to be said in this video, because I want you to realize that while Christmas is, you know, there's a song, you know, it's the most beautiful time of the year, right? For a lot of people it is, but for some people it is not. Some people don't even want to celebrate because a loved one is not there because someone, you know, passed away and they're not able to share this day with them. And so what I want you to think about is, you know, people are hurting and an invitation to come to a service where we're going to celebrate the, you know, the the incarnation of Christ and we're going to celebrate the hope that there is and the gift that was given. That's a beautiful opportunity to minister to someone who's hurting and it may change their life for eternity. So I really encourage you to take the time. We have some invitations out there in the lobby area. You can grab one on your way out. Um, you should have received one last week and you can take those and you can hand them out to your friends family members and just let them know hey man we're gonna be in church for an hour and a half my bishop promised an hour and a half an hour and a half he's not gonna go over an hour and a half he's gonna cut the play no matter where it's at I'm just kidding I'm just kidding Cheryl's done a great job keeping it timely, so we're going to be all right. And um, and she gave me 30 minutes to preach. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I am joking. I am kidding. I'm, I'm joking. I asked her for like five minutes. I'll take 15, but you know. Anyway, it's not her fault. It's my fault. Now, nonetheless, it, you know, they'll be out of here. They'll be able to go and enjoy family. They'll be able to do all the good stuff that we do on Christmas Day. But it's going to be an amazing time. So I encourage you to be part of that. So today we are here in 2 um, Thessalonians. We are ending our series in the End Time Encouragement Series. And the title of the message today is If God. Is with us? If God is with us, as a question, if He's with us, what does that mean for us? And as I was writing, as I was writing the, um, the the sermon out, you know, Christmas, you know, this time of the year that we're in is a special holiday. It is a time in which we celebrate. This is in your outline here: this, the incarnation or the the God becoming flesh is what that means. And when God became man, a time in which we should be reminded that God is with us. That's what that that's what Christmas really is about, right? I got two yep, so everybody else thinks it's about gifts, right? It's just about gifts. It's really about that, right? It's about family get-togethers. That's what it's about, right? The reality is that this time of year should be a time, you know, for, uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize this. I didn't know this because I'm, I'm not a liturgical guy, right? Meaning that I don't know all about the Christian calendar and all that kind of stuff. But um, the Christian calendar actually begins in the season of Advent, And that is for us that are Protestants, right? Most of us, we would start 40 days before Christmas Day is when Advent starts, right? And so it's an Advent calendar. And so it begins because it is a time that they start to celebrate and focus in on this thing called the incarnation or the birth of Jesus. And it's Advent, right? It's the time of Advent. It's a time that we think about him coming, right? I mean, that's what's supposed to happen. And the reason why the church that follows a liturgical calendar on that does that is because they really wanna preserve the idea of why they took Christmas from being a pagan holiday because, you know, it's got those roots, why they tried to sanctify that day in order to make sure that people understood that the new beginning wasn't from Mother Nature or from Saturnius or whatever God there was, but that the new beginning comes from one named Jesus. And the reason why they chose that was so they could sanctify that day. And so the liturgical calendar follows this thing, and it's to show us this, this amazing looking at what happened. And what that day reminds us of is this thing called Emmanuel, God with us. It's a reminder of that. And what it should do is, is it should be, and this is one of the greatest comforts and encouragement we as believers have, that God dwells among us, within us, and never forsakes us. Are you hearing me? That's the encouragement that we have, that even when, you know, we're, we're not the best, he's still the best. That even when we fall short, he doesn't abandon us. He doesn't forsake us. As as Pastor Aldo was talking about during the communion time, there's nothing that my child can do that's going to make me hate them, right? There's nothing that is going to take my love from them. I may be upset with them for sure. I may discipline them for sure. You know, I may may give them pow pow for sure. Hello, somebody, right? Like that is going to happen. And you know what? God the Father is the same way. The Bible says that we shouldn't despise the discipline of the Lord because when he disciplines us, he is doing what? He is treating us as his children, as his sons. He disciplines us. And you know what? Discipline, according to Hebrews, is not pleasant at all, but it is part of the relationship between God the Father and his children. This is beautiful. And the beauty of it is, is that he doesn't abandon us, right? He is there with us. And not only with, not, not only among us, right, but he is also there within us. He dwells within us. That's what the scripture says, right? His spirit dwells in us. Christ dwells within us, which is something that we cannot fully understand. But we know that that's what the Bible says. And the beauty of it is, is he never forsakes us. So this is a time that we get to celebrate that as we look at the birth of our Savior. Second paragraph, while Christmas is about the advent of Christ, right, his coming, While it's about that, the Apostle Paul has has been reminding the church of the return of Jesus or a second advent, right? When he will come back again for them and their responsibility to obey his commands as they look forward to that return. And this applies to us as well. And so while we look at Christmas, a time that we remember the birth of Jesus, we also remember that Jesus didn't just stay in that manger, but that he that but he grew up, he died on a cross, he went into a grave, rose again, he did all of this for our sin, and then he ascended into the Father's right hand, and he is seated in glory now, and he will be returning for us to take, to take with him, to take us with him, so we can celebrate this amazing feast time, and then come back with him to reign on this earth. That is a beautiful reality. And he does this because... Because he loves us. He does this because he's showing us his grace. And what Paul does is he communicates to the church the reality that Jesus is coming back. But in the meantime, it's not enough. I told you about the bumper sticker, you know, Jesus is coming back, look busy. No, no, it's not about that. It's not about just looking busy. It's not just about seeming like you're doing something, you know, like acting like, you know how it is when your parents were gone. And when they, you know, came back, you acted like you were acting right. You know what I'm saying? You, you act like you were doing right when they were gone. But it was an act. Hello, somebody. You know, and, and, and depending on what was going on, you know, you might have had a little guilty face. I know I had a couple of times where I was like, man, I hope she don't find out. Hey, Amen, because I knew what was coming. Glory to God. Let them pop out, right? So <laughs> the, the, the reality is that it's not about, it's not about looking busy. Right? It's when we say, like what we say here, we said that we're committed to loving God, we're committed to growing together, and we are committed to serving, right? Like that is what's real. It's not just looking busy, but it is really being committed to the work that God has called us to do as His children. And so that is what is supposed to happen, and we are supposed to be walking in obedience. So the reason why I preach through this, the reason why we preach through the Bible, is because of what? Because the Word of God applies to us today. Listen, I'll say this again later on in my second point, but I just want to reiterate this right now. God's word is not outdated. God did not change his mind, right? God, I, I say it like this, God got tired of repeating himself. That's why there's only 66 books. Because he wasn't going to say anything new. He wasn't going to say anything different. You know, it's like, my, you know, my son, he has it. I, you know I, know, I know that, you know, my son is my son for sure, 100%. Because I have this thing, and I remember my mom. I feel bad for my mom because I experience it with my son now. I remember when I was a kid, when I would want something, I would not leave my mother alone. Like I was on her, I mean, I was just like there, like, Mom, I want this. And you know, I mean, I'm asking her over and over. And she has said no in every way. She spelled it for me. She's pronounced it, you know, she, she, she has done it in Spanish, English. If she knew Chinese, she would do it there. I mean, she could speak it in tongues and interpret it. I, you know, I mean, the, the reality is she made, I mean, she was saying no. And every time she would say no, I would come by, mom, can I do this? And she's like, no. And I'm like, mom, can I do this? And, I, and my son is the, I mean, he is, I apologize right now. I just want to confess. <laughs> so the reality is God is like, uh, you know, but the, the cool thing about God is that he's like, look, I ain't saying anything else. I'm going to just give, I'm done. I'm done inspiring scripture. I said everything I had to say to you. And no matter what we ask him, he's, he's already given us the answers. He's made it crystal clear. He hasn't changed his mind. His yeses are yeses, his noes are noes, and that's it. I mean, he makes it crystal clear for us. And so we must embrace the word of God as being what it is, which is God's holy word. No command, last paragraph in your outline there. No command of the Lord can be adhered to without the peace of God keeping us during turbulent times, the word of God to guide us during confusing times, and the grace of God to empower us at all times. I'll say that again because those are the three things we're going to talk about. No commandment of the Lord can be adhered to without the peace of God to keep us during turbulent times. I want you to know obedience to Scripture is not a one and done in other words, it's not about when it, if the Bible says to a husband, love your wife. It is not a, a, a one-time love her and that's it. It is to love her every day as Christ loves the church. It is to continue to be that way. When it tells us to be whatever it tells us to do, it tells us this as we are to continue doing it. And what happens is when we're not walking in the peace of God, we will, we will cease to obey God. Are you here? So the first thing is that, is that it keeps us during turbulent times. The second one is we need the word of God to guide us during confusing times. In in our culture, we are living in probably the most confusing times ever with so many different voices. I'll talk about that in a moment. But the reality is during confusing times in our lives, forget the culture for a moment, just when we are going through difficulty in our own lives and we're going through situations, confusion rises up. Am I doing the right thing? You know, we're dealing with parents, and I I met with a parent, you know, this past week, you know, as we're trying to raise our kids and and, and we don't see things happening like we would like to see them. And we start to question, am I doing the right thing? things and and we start to become confused that's why the word of God is so important for our lives because if we don't know what God's word says then we will start to be swayed with the wind and turn to the left or to the right when God wants us to be firm and maintain our position and our firmness but we need God's word in order to keep us there and the grace of God is is imperative at all times in the good times and in the bad times are you here no matter what we're going through, we need the grace of God. You know, we may think sometimes that we're doing it on our own, right? We may think sometimes that, you know, no one is keeping me until we get injured. Hello, somebody. And I remember the first time my back ever went out on me, right? I thought I was amazing until my back went out on me. And then I realized how, how, how unamazing, I don't even know if that's a word, unamazing. We're just going to throw it out there, right? haven't made up a word in a while, so we'll make that one up today maybe. I don't know. I realized how, how, how fragile I was. And, you know, and I, and I consider myself to be a relatively strong guy. And when my back went out, listen, there was nothing I could do to make myself stand up. There was nothing I could do except crumble down to my knees and crawl to my bed. Hello. And it was barely. I barely made it there. I just wanted to lay on the floor. I didn't want to move because I was in so much pain. But the reality is there's someone that is sustaining me, and it's not me by myself. And you and I may think that it's us that's sustaining us, but it is not. It is God Almighty that sustains us. I love my brother Norbert. He was he was a brother that he came here. He was a Muslim when he came to this church. Gave his life to Jesus after a couple of months being around us. God did an amazing work with him. I just had um, lunch with him the other day. He's moving back to Connecticut. He was you know weeping as he's considering going back there. You know he was he was known for. I mean he shared his testimony. I mean this guy was a big time drug dealer. I mean just an amazing testimony. He's going back there and. You you know, the people know him as Kojak, you know, so he's, he's bald, you know, obviously, you know, anyway, so we get along real well. Um, but nonetheless, you know, he's going back there and he's just thinking about, you know, man, I get, I get to go back here and, and I get to minister, you know, unto these people that are, that are hurting. You know, I get to go back here and I get to share the, you know, the, the, the truth of God's word with them. But the one thing that I remember when I first met him, he said, man, when I, when I wake up, you know, was, we were talking one day and he's like, when I wake up, I just say, man, thank you, God, for the breath I'm breathing. Thank you, God, for the breath I'm breathing. Thank you because I know that I didn't make this oxygen. I I, I don't have the ability to breathe on my own. And and that's a reality that many of us, we, we take for granted that we breathe. Hello. I'm just saying, like, God sustains all of that. There's nothing that we're sustaining on our own. You may think you're all that until you have a moment that you realize you're not all that. The big idea that I have for you today is this, is that our success is God's plan because in it is God's glory. Our success is God's plan because in it is God's glory. And when I say success, I don't want you to get it twisted. I do not think success is everybody being rich, everybody driving the car they want, everyone living the life they want. Success, you can write this down. Whenever I say the word success, you write it down. Whenever Bishop says the word success, what I am saying is I am talking about you fulfilling the purpose of God for your life that is success for a Christian You fulfilling the purpose of God for your life. And for some people, that will be some of those things. For other people, it will not. For some people, success is going to be them selling everything and going to move to some other place and go preach the gospel for the rest of their lives. For some people, success is going to be them dying in a prison for the glory and honor of God. Are you hearing me? For some people, success is never experiencing any of the American dream. Are you here? God wants us to succeed, and the most important thing for us is to find out what it is that he wants us to succeed in. But I will tell you this. God will supply all of your needs because he is a good God. He will take care of you as you follow his purposes and as you follow his plans. It's important that we're connected to that. So the big idea that I want you to get is our success is God's plan because in it is God's glory in it is his glory and what he's been communicating to the Thessalonian church in these last two books is what is how to live successfully in the days in which they live how to live for the glory and the honor of God and that's what he wants for us to do he wants us to live successfully for his glory he wants us to do all things to his glory and for his name's sake and so the first thing i'll ask you to repeat after me is this it is say god is god is with us in peace amidst turbulence God is with us in peace amidst turbulence. Look at verse 16. We have three verses that we're going to go through, and so we'll go through these relatively quickly, but I do want you to see here. He says, here, and I love this because the Apostle Paul to me has, I mean, he has some amazing prayers that are throughout all of his epistles, and he always comes to the point of praying for the people he's been preaching to. Why? Because the reality is, he can preach whatever he wants to preach. He can say whatever he wants to say. He can instruct you all day long. But he knows this one thing if God does not do it, it's not going to get done. Are you here? It's the same thing for me. The reason why I don't just walk off of the platform before I pray for you, whether I ask you to come forward or I pray for you in general, is because I realize this, is that while I pray in the beginning for you to be a doer of the Word of God, I realize that if God does not empower you to do what God says, it's never going to happen. And so my prayer is always that, is that you will hear what God says, but that you will be empowered to do what He says, that you will be empowered to obey what He communicates. And so the Apostle Paul closes this encouragement with a prayer, and he starts his prayer off in verse 16. He says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. That's where we get the question, if God be with us. So he says he's talking about this peace. And we talked about peace when we closed out on um, 1 Thessalonians chapter, um, the, the, the last chapter in 1 Thessalonians because it's a similar type of prayer. But here's what I want you to get. There is no question, and I said this before, peace from God is the result of peace with God. Did you hear that? Peace from God is the result of peace with God. God pursues peace with us. We don't pursue peace with him. He pursues peace with us. We are his enemies, right? We talk about this. The gospel communicates that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us is in the same state from birth. We are born into sin. And in that state of sin, no matter what, we are not pursuers of God. We are not seeking God. We're not loving on him the way that we ought to. We disobey him because we are sinful. We are sinners by nature. And so the reality is God pursues peace with us because we what because our sin separates us from him right is that not true our sin separates us from Him. Because we are sinful, we cannot be in a relationship with God unless there is something to connect us. And so typically, in relationships, there is something that happens, right? It's called reconciliation. And so if I offend my brother, right? If I offend Pastor Aldo, I offend Brother Eric, I do something wrong to them, I am going to come to them, and I am going to, if I know about it, I'm going to confess to them that, you know, I was wrong for what I did, and let's reconcile this relationship, right? Right? And if let's say I stole something from them, what I would do is I would pay them back what I stole them, right? That's that, that would be the right thing. Amen? Amen. So if you owe someone something, pay up. Right? So there's restitution, right? Right? And so so that th- that's that's what brings reconciliation. Here is the problem. The problem is God is perfectly holy. So anything that I try to bring to him in order to reconcile with him and bring restitution for my sins against him will never equate. Because what? I've, I'm falling. My works fall short. Because, you know what, even when I do good stuff, and I've talked about this in marriage, you know, most of us are adults in here. If you're not an adult, cover your ears real quickly right now. quick, Cover them quick if you're not an adult. Amen. Hold them, hold them. So in marriage, right, you know, sometimes husbands, they're good not because they want to be good but because they want something good. All right, you can uncover them. You can uncover them, amen. <laughs> it's not always pure motives, right? There's nothing wrong with wanting that, but the fact of the matter is, it is just a reality, right? And so what happens is, sometimes I'm good at... Here, let me, let me, let me put it to you like this. How many how many of y'all have ever been through a trial in your life, and you suddenly became the most holy person you've ever been? Come on now, y'all got to, y'all got to be real with me. I'm just saying. Like, you, you started to go through something, and you thought, man, I got to be... I mean, you were fasting... You were praying like, I mean, you were, the snooze button, you were up before the clock. You were like, clock, don't even come on. Come on, somebody. You were like, God, I love you. Lord, you are holy and righteous. You remember, you were quoting the Bible like it was nobody's, I mean, you were on it. I mean, for real, like you were serious about this, right? I mean, you were in it. You, I mean, you lost 10 pounds, glory to God. People thought you were dying. you were just like, nah man, I'm holy right now. I mean, I'm walking with Jesus, right? I mean, that, that, that's how we go in, because, because of what? Because in our mindset, I got to please God. I got to get God's attention. And so you've been hearing Bishop preach or whoever you've been listening to. You've been listening to the right person. And they've been telling you about righteousness and sin. And you know what? Hold on a second. I cannot be living in sin. So you know what? All of a sudden your music changed. You 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 had a holy moment. You threw away all that crazy music. Now you went back and bought it again on iTunes. I know you in the flesh. Listen. You got rid of anything that offended God. You removed everything from your life. Because of what? Because you wanted to give some kind of restitution. Because you wanted to be as close to God as possible. Because you wanted to be 100% sure that what? That God heard you, but not just that he heard you, but that he answered you the way you wanted. Now, I will not ask you to embarrass yourself now. But when, God, because can I tell you something? You all know like I know. God always hears us, but he doesn't always answer us the way we want. And how, and, and how many of us do not raise your hands? But how many of us would say that after the yay or the nay, the nay probably, you was like, all of a sudden you gained 15 pounds. You forgot scripture. You was like, man, I'm putting, I'm putting the alarm clock an hour later. Hello, somebody. You forgot all about that commitment to the Lord. You know Why? because we are fickle, we're fallen, we're selfish. Even in those moments when, you know, we may want something good, the reality is we forget about all 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 that holiness because God didn't answer us like we wanted him. But here's the thing, reconciliation happens not because of our ability to pay, but because of the price that he paid. See, he pursues peace with us Because he doesn't want me to be his enemy. He doesn't want me to spend an eternity in hell. He doesn't want you to spend an eternity separated from him. He doesn't want you to enjoy your sin presently, but spend all of eternity wishing you would have repented of your sin. He doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to experience a relationship with him now that is satisfying. And and, and experience him for all of eternity, which is even more satisfying. That's what he wants for every one of his creation. For God so loved the world. That's what the Bible says, right? He gave his son that whoever believes in him would not perish. I mean, that's, I mean that's, that's, that's like evangelism 101. Hello. The reality is he gave his son because we could not pay the price. That's the gospel reality. And so now we trust in his son. And we are what? We are reconciled to God. We have peace with God. And you know what? I want you to get the with part. Because I want you to know, God doesn't just want us to experience a peace. He wants us to experience him. He wants us to not, it's not just understanding peace here. He wants us to experience peace within our hearts. But he wants us to experience him, peace with him. Did you get that? With him. It's it's, it's not, it's, it's not just like, hey, man, I want you to walk in peace. No, no, no. He's like, I want you to walk with peace. Are you getting that? Are you seeing this? That, that, that's what peace with him is. That's why Paul says when he prays, he says, may, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. Because he's saying, I want you to walk in a peace that is a person, not just a sentiment, not something that goes up and down. Because you know what? No matter what street you walk on, guess who's with you? The Prince of Peace. No matter what situation you're going through, the one who walks with you is that peace. You're not waiting to get peace from a person or from a situation. You have a peace that maintains you and that keeps you walking in obedience to the Scriptures. See, as we await the return of Jesus, our lives will be filled with turbulence. Hello, somebody. I know someone lied to you somewhere and told you that when you become a Christian, life is going to get easy. I know they lied, and that's what they did. They lied. And maybe they didn't intentionally lie because maybe they just thought, you know, something else or they meant something else by what they said. But the reality is what Jesus promises, he promises us tribulation in this life, but he also promises us what? Peace in this life. A peace that has overcome the world. That's what he promises us. And so the truth is, you know, I was listening to this thing, you know, because we all go through difficult situations in our lives. But I was hearing earlier this week about a pastor that he lived, um, he, he, he was 23 years, he, for 23 years, he served peacefully as a missionary. He's an American pastor. For 23 years, he served in Turkey. As an American, as an American there, right? He had like a, a I, I don't some kind of visa or something like that that he was there on. For 23 years, had kids there, raised his kids there, over, you know, his kids are basically citizens over there raised him there, and the guy got arrested because of what? Because his visa expired. And This is after 23 years of him being there peacefully preaching the gospel. He gets arrested, or no, I'm sorry, he didn't get arrested. They, they brought him in because they were going to deport him, so they were a little upset about that. But nonetheless, they were like, okay, that's fine. That's legal, right, that we should do that. All of a sudden, he's there. They arrest the guy, and they say that he's part of some terrorist group. And they're about to murder him. Why? Why? Because he's a Christian. It's not because of anything else, it's because he's a Christian, and right now Turkey is being overtaken by this you know, whole regime, and so this mindset that is happening over there turns on this Christian. So let me ask you a question, where is his peace? Is his peace in his situation? Absolutely not. It's his peace and the guaranteed turnout that he's going to be released. Listen, while they are got, I mean, they got petitions being signed all over the place. You can sign it online if you, if you want, you know, for this guy to be released for the, you know, for our, for our leaders to go ahead and, com, you know, confront these guys and, you know, confront them and say, listen, you can't just take an American like that. That's just, you know, that's not right. But anyway, all that being said, his peace is not in what's going to happen from our leadership or what happens in his situation. His peace is from who? The Prince of Peace the one who walks with him through this situation. And for us, it's the same thing. While our situations may be different, the reality is that we must get our mind right because what? When we are not at peace, hear me when I say this, when we are not at peace, we lose sight of our calling and we jeopardize our witness to the world. See, when I'm not walking in peace the way that God wants me to, see, you thought three verses, there was nothing there. There's something there. Hello, somebody. When we are not walking in peace the way that we are supposed to, what happens is I lose sight of my calling. What is your calling? Your calling is intimacy with God and imitation of Christ. That's what it is. Your calling is a relationship with God that bears fruit, and that fruit is seen in what? In your imitation and you being like Christ. That's what the scriptures teach us. But when I'm not walking in peace, I reject intimacy with Him and I definitely don't imitate Him like I ought to. Are you here? Because what, what happens is the peace that I exude. You ever been around that person? I mean, think about this for a moment. Have you ever been around a person that, that person, they just exude peace? You been around that person? Let me ask you a better question. Have you ever been around the person that worries so much they make you worry? <laughs> see, I, see I, I, I was like, man, I'm trying to think about that peaceful person. No, I'll tell you about that worrying person, Right. That person that is always paranoid, that, word, that person that's always concerned about tomorrow, that person that's always, that person, it's, it, because there is something wrong, like, in their head. I don't know. Don't tell them I said that. But here's the thing. There is something that is, that there's an issue that's going on. They're not walking in peace. And so you know what that means? They are not going to, they're not going to exude that. They exude what? They exude worry. They, 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 don't, they don't exude calm. They exude something else. And that's what happens. You know what's supposed to happen? What's supposed to happen as the child of God? We're supposed to walk with the Prince of Peace so we care to exude the power of that peace. That's what's supposed to happen. And, my, and, and, it's not, and it's not about walking around and saying, hey, I give you peace. That's not what I'm, not what I'm saying. All right? Not, Let me walk by you so you can feel my peace. That's not, it's not we're not a hippie, you know, congregation here or whatever. You know, it's not, that's not it, right? Not like that. But the reality is... That when we are not walking in peace, you know what we do? We forget our witness. We forget about how we're supposed to witness for the glory of God. Our experience of peace, get this, our experience of peace is not based upon our performance. Hear me when I say this. But it does depend upon our participation in the presence of God. Did you hear me? Our peace with God is not based upon our performance. The peace that we can walk in, because I can tell you, just like I had you guys, I said, you know, I'll embarrass myself. I've had those moments where I'm like praying like never before and I'm fasting and seeking God like never before. And then, you know, I fall off of that because I didn't get what I wanted or, or another one. I got what I wanted. I was like, okay, I don't need to continue on pressing in like this, right, which is ridiculous. But nonetheless, I've you know, I've, I've done that. And you know what? Even in those moments, there are times that I don't deserve God's peace and his peace floods my heart in moments that, I, I'm, that I'm overwhelmed. But what I want you to know is that God doesn't want us to have fleeting moments that we experience his peace. He wants us to walk in that always. And that comes out of relationship with him and us spending time with him. And so what, I, what, what I'll close this point with is this, is that we are in a culture filled with turbulence. And we cannot offer that culture what we do not possess. And so if you are not walking in peace with God, guess what you can't offer them? Peace with God. You can't. Not because you want to open your mouth or not because you can't say it, because you just will not That's the bottom line. Second thing I should repeat after me is this. Say, God is with us in truth amidst confusion. God is with us in truth amidst confusion. Look at verse 17. So the apostle Paul says this. He says, the salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is a sign in every epistle, so I write to you. And so the church of Thessalonica had apparently received a letter that was falsely saying that it came from the apostle Paul. That's the reason why he wrote this letter. He wrote this letter to refute the false letter that apparently they got that was telling that Jesus had already returned. And so what does he do? He communicates to them that this word, this truth that they're looking at, these things that they're hearing, that they can trust them. Are you getting that? that? That's why this is so important here in this particular book. Because what he's doing is he's saying to them, listen, everything that you've been hearing, that didn't come from me. But I want you to know what I'm saying here, this came directly from me. And just to verify it, I signed it myself. I signed it myself. I didn't have anyone else sign this letter. I put my signature in there. I made sure you know that this was authentic. It's kind of like putting a seal on it to make sure that you got what you needed, right, that you heard, you know, from me and that you know this is the Word of God. Now, why is this so important? I talked about success. It is because of this. Our success greatly depends upon the words we are listening to. Are you hearing me? If we're going to be successful in the, in the will of God in our lives, we need to make sure we're listening to the right words. I had a conversation with someone and we were, you know, we were talking about um, the church that she was attending. And I won't get into any names right here because it really doesn't matter. But she was telling me that she was, um, you know, part of one church one day um, or at one time in her life. She was part of, a, I mean, this woman had some amazing, amazing stories in ministry and She was telling me that the reason why she left that particular congregation was because there was a guy that had some mental issues that used to be in the lobby area or something like that, and he was bothering people, and she said the pastor asked the guy to leave. And she said you know that guy needed someone to help him not to leave you know not to just leave and so rather than getting him help and so she left there started going to another place she got really involved in teaching you know autistic children in the church and things like that just really amazing i wish she lived closer because i would you know hook her up she lives like wearing a popka or whatever the case is but Nonetheless, you know, she tells me, you know, she had a real sad situation. She lost her sight. Um, and so she's not, she's, she's le- I guess she's legally blind, but she can still see. She's visually impaired is what it is. And so she's, you know, she really got this situation. But she started to tell me, and I won't go into who she listens to now, but just fair, fair enough to say, who she listens to now is a person that I would never tell anyone to listen to. Never, never, ever would I give him a thumbs up and say, yeah, listen to that guy on TV. Never, never, ever, ever, ever. This woman has so much that God has deposited in her. And she will not end up fulfilling what God has for her life because she's listening to the wrong voice. Are you me? It is so important for us to consider who we're listening to. Are we listening to the truth of God's word that sets us free? Or are we listening to the falsehoods of the enemy that bind us? I want you to realize that. Truth sets us free according to the Scriptures. Falsehood binds us. Why? Because we're always trying to accomplish something. See, God's Word doesn't need your help. Did you hear me? No, no, y'all didn't get that. God's Word does not need your help. Isaiah said it clearly. He said, God's Word does not return void. It accomplishes that for which it is sent. And so when I am trying to make God's Word happen, it ain't God. hmm <laughs> I have a story, but I'm not going to share it. But anyway, <laughs> real quick one. I'll give you this, this quick one. When I, when I, when I first, I, I told you when I first got um, saved, I, was, I knew that I was not meant to be single. I knew 100% that I was meant to be married, right? I was like, God, I don't want that other gift. I, wanna, I want the right gift. And it was a, an amazing wife. And so I'm blessed with an amazing wife. But I met this young lady that I thought that was the one. And I remember always, this, this is so crazy to me because I was so spiritual. I was a really spiritual guy, for real. Um, every time that we would, and you know, we used to pray together because I was holy, man. I was a holy guy. I was like, we're going to pray together. We're going to seek Jesus together. And every time we were finished praying, I was always like, let me ask you something. Did the Lord speak to you? And I think she would try to like appease me, like, you know, like, I don't know. And I'm like, let's read this scripture here. What God is joined together, let no man put us under. Did the Lord speak to you there? So crazy. I'm crazy. I have a problem. What I was trying to do was I was trying to hopefully something would drop inside of her mind or her heart and say, yes, you're the one or whatever the case was. I don't know what the problem was. But anyway, the fact of the matter was I was trying to make God's word do something it wasn't meant to do. Are you all getting me? With my wife Elaine, you want to know what happened? I'm going to tell, tell you the rest of the story. Let me tell you the good part of the story. That's really good. This is the funny part. I recall one day I got out of her car. She would bring me home from church. This is hilarious. And so I had a problem and the, pro- the problem was that I was growing in love with this woman and, I, and, I, and not because she wasn't beautiful or anything like that, it was like I, I, just, I, I couldn't control what was happening inside of my heart and I hated that, right? I'm a control freak a little bit. I remember getting out of her car and I looked at her and I said, listen, I'm gonna pray that the Lord removes you from my life because you are from the devil. <laughs> and I walked inside, <laughs> amen. Why did I say that's a good story? And here's what I want you to know. The first part of the story was me trying to do God's work. The second part of the story was me trying to fight God's work. Hello, somebody. Are you getting me? I couldn't stop God from doing what he was doing in my heart towards my wife-to-be. I didn't realize what was going on. I didn't need to say, hey, did the Lord confirm? God was speaking to me. I was like, this is going to be my wife? How on earth? I mean, I would tell her, one day we're sitting down in front of my house. I'm going to tell you another good part of the story. I'm sitting out in front of the house, and I'm like staring off into space somewhere. And let me say this before I say the next thing. This may this will probably not happen to anyone in this room. I'm just going to preface this by saying this. I was sitting in the car. I'm sitting in the car, and I just, as we're talking, I zoned out, and I felt the Lord just say to me, this is going to be your wife. And she's talking, and then she noticed I was no longer listening. Because I was very attentive back then. Now I have issues. But listen, back then, I was like, I mean, I was zeroed in on elenking, on Elenca Macho at that time. Anyway, I was zeroed in. I was 100%. It was all. And she's like, what do you think? And I said, and the Lord just spoke to her, and I said, you're going to be my wife. And she was like, oh, Okay. But I didn't try to convince her. I wasn't like, hey, do you feel that? Like I I didn't even care what she felt because I knew what God's word, like what what God communicated. So nonetheless, the point that I want to make here, and I use myself as this amazing example, is you don't need to help God's word. But when you are trying to make a falsehood come to pass, guess what? You got to do a whole lot of work. And so you are bound to try to make that thing happen. When someone gives you a false word or something like that, you're bound to make it happen. I didn't have to make this happen. Um, The next thing that you need to realize about the truth is that the truth empowers us while lies drain us. Are you here? Are you listening to the truth of God's word? Are you trying to listen to a lie? Because those things drain us. The last thing that is so very important for us to understand is that truth directs us while deception misleads us. This is the reality. The truth of God's word guides us the way God wants. Deception misleads us to another place that we don't want to go. And just as peace depends upon a person, so does the truth. Now hear me when I say this. I said that I would talk about this again. In a culture that, that, that is filled with the idea, listen to me, it's the idea of subjective truth. We need a fixed truth to stand upon. Listen now, especially for you young people that are in here that are in high school, that are going to college and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and some of you that may be struggling with this. Our culture has fed you a lie to believe that truth is relative. That if you, if you feel it then, it, then it's good. If you ain't feeling it, then it's not good. It's not truth for you. Listen, all truth is truth. Do me, don't do this, but if you did this, you would find out that all truth is, you know, it's the truth for everyone. Go sit on the top of this building and jump. And just say, gravity don't matter to me. Show me that you're a Superman, hello. Oh, Wonder Woman, whatever, I don't know, Supergirl, I don't know, whoever. The reality is, guess what? Potentially, you're going to fall down and break something. I mean, that, that, that's just a reality, right? There's laws that are in place. The truth of God is the truth of God. God's word is true for Everyone. And we cannot allow the lies of the culture to to infiltrate our minds and our hearts. We can't allow the deceptions of the culture to infiltrate our minds and our hearts. Don't buy into those lies, but allow God's word to penetrate our hearts. Allow God's truth to be the truth that we stand upon. That's what we have to do in the midst of this culture. It's a lie. And listen, don't allow anyone to stand around you and just talk those lies either. Stand up for the truth. If you're a child of God, listen, if you are a child of God, you have a responsibility to stand up for the truth. And listen, and I, and I believe this firmly. When we sit by idly, man, we're going to be accountable for those people, especially if they spend an eternity in hell because you didn't open your mouth about the truth. And I don't say that to be guilting you. I'm just telling you the, the reality. The reality is we got people around us all the time that they are bound in their foolishness. They are bound in their sin. And you know what? They need a voice to speak to them, to wake them up. And guess what? If we don't speak the truth, there's no conviction of sin, righteousness, or judgment coming to them. You know why? Because we are the ones that God called to speak that truth. I'm just saying. Very important for us to open up our mouths. God's word must be, I love this, it must be the highest authority in our lives. I try to communicate that as often as possible, which keeps us grounded and assured of his will. And we talked about this last week. What does the enemy want? He wants a distracted church to ensure what? That we are confused and we are fruitless. That's what he wants. When we are distracted, we will be confused, we will be fruitless, we will not fulfill what God wants us to fulfill. And so we need to be those people who are standing on the truth of God's word. And, we, and, 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 and this is the thing, when we stay fixed upon the truth, we stay fixed upon the mission. When we stay fixed upon the truth, we will stay fixed upon the mission that God has given us. But when we allow ourselves to go to the left or go to the right or to, be, or to be wishy-washy on the truth, then guess what? We're not gonna stay focused on the mission that God has for our lives because we're gonna be busy pursuing other things rather than the truth of what God has called us to. The third thing that I ask you to repeat after me is this: say, God is with us in grace amidst it all. God is with us in grace amidst it all. Verse 18, our last verse, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. And so he prays for them, that the grace of God would be with them as though the grace of God was not with them. He's not praying it that way. He's, 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 it's, it's a prayer that's reminding them of the grace of God that, that, that I love as we were singing, for from you are all things and to you are all things. I love that thought because it's a reality. For from you are all things. There's no, I, 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 I want you to think about this. Name one thing that you possess that isn't because of the grace of God. Just, just pause for a moment. I'm, I'm going to pause. I'm going to shut up for a moment. It's going to be kind of tough. I want you to think about that. Think of one thing that you have that isn't because of the grace of God. Think about it, there's nothing. Nothing at all, I can't be quiet anymore, but here's the thing, there is nothing that we have that isn't given to us. Oh, but I worked for that. Who gave you the strength to work for it? Who gave you the ability to do whatever you were working on? Success doesn't just come to you because you're great. Success comes to you because of the one who is great. And all of it, you know, some theologians would call it a thing called common grace. Everybody experiences the grace of God, whether you love Jesus or not. The Bible says what? That it rains on the just and the unjust. The sun shines on both. And so the reality is whether you love Jesus or not, man, you got stuff that you don't even deserve. You got stuff because he gave it to you. We need to be those kind of people that are what? As Christians, as believers, we need to be people that are the most grateful. That we live our lives. See, the grace of God, I never get tired of talking about the grace of God when I share the gospel presentation every week. I never get tired of sharing that. And I thank you and I pray that you don't get tired of hearing it. Because it's something that we should never get tired of. It's something that should also always humble us. We should always be bowed. You know, the Apostle Paul. I believe it's in first or so, it's in first or second Timothy, maybe first Timothy, where he talks about. He goes through all of the things that he did. He says that he was a persecutor of the church, and he said, and you know, and, and he and, and he says that you know that God came to save sinners. Of who I am, the chief. And you want to know why the Apostle Paul says that? It isn't because he is self-condemning. That isn't why he says that. It's because he is so overwhelmed by the grace of God that he can say, man, I'm the greatest of sinners. When he comes to -to face-to-face with the goodness and the mercy and the love of God, because grace is that unmerited favor, when he realizes how much he did to undeserve, if that's even a word, right? You can't undeserve, but, you know, I'm just making it up right now because it makes sense, right? You all understand what I mean, right? You understand what I'm saying, right? So he did everything he could to be undeserving of it, right? To undeserve it. He did everything he could to dishonor God, and God still graciously saved him and he comes and he says man I am the greatest I am the chief of all sinners he's not, he's not beating himself up he's not being falsely humble he is a guy that is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit a guy who is writing and he is communicating he's saying man I understand how great God's grace is in my life and so for us, if we want to grow in gratefulness, if we want to, see, when we look at the life of the apostle Paul, a guy who was in prison for his faith, a guy who was killed for his faith, a guy who was in prison, you read the book of Philippians, and he was like, man, I rejoice that I'm here because these prison guards, I think about the apostle Paul, he's like connected because in those days, it wasn't like today's systems, right? In those days, you were connected to like this guard, right? And so Paul is thinking, I got this guy with me 24-7, he ain't ever going to be let go, I'm preaching him all the time, Hello. This guy is going to see me live for Jesus, see me pray to Jesus, see me worship Jesus. He's going to see me study the scripture. He's going to see the letters I'm writing. He's going to hear everything. This guy's in prison and he's rejoicing. He's rejoicing because people that got him in prison, he's like, man, I thank God because even when they preach out of pretense, guess what? They're still preaching Jesus. Hello. I mean, this is a guy that is so grateful to God. And it's because of what? It is because he is the apostle of grace. It is because he understands and is overwhelmed by the grace of God. Grace is not a license to sin, but it is a freedom from sin. That's what it is. It is God saying, man, I love you despite you. And that is a beautiful thing. And so for us, we should always be humbled by it and realize that it is there. We should be the most grateful and we should be living our lives empowered by the grace of God, consciously aware and reminding others, hear me when I say this, reminding others of God's goodness to them. Listen, it is important that we walk around living grateful lives and that we are not ashamed to give glory and honor to God, that we're not ashamed to let everybody know, hey man, I have nothing apart from God. You need to be that voice. You need to be that light that shines in the midst of a dark world. And as I'm closing, I'll say this. It is only when we understand the grace of God that we live invigorated by it. And what happens is our duty becomes delight. Did you hear that? See, what happens is our service goes from a thing that I have to do to a thing that I get to do. That, that, that's the that's beauty. It is only by the grace of God. Listen, you know what gets me up? There's days, and, and I've said this to you before. I mean, this Sunday wasn't one of those days. This Sunday I wanted to get up. I was excited about being here. But there are some Sundays, I'm going to tell you straight up, I wish I could call in. Hello. And if I was like some of y'all that didn't have any responsibility, I might just not come and just be like, hey, I'm just staying home today. And then i would just feel terrible all day because I always do when I don't come to church. I to come to church one time when I was not in leadership and I felt terrible all day long and I was like, I'm never going to do that again. I'm just saying, I'm not trying to condemn you. Hopefully you're convicted. Anyway. Just saying, like, you know, the the reality is, you know, we all have long weeks, you know. That particular day for me, I, I, you know, I I used to work, uh, um, I I used to work overnight and I would drive home at like 7 o'clock in the morning and get like an hour of sleep and then go to church at, you know, 11 o'clock or whatever. And I was just really exhausted that day, got off a little bit late and decided I was going to stay in bed. And so I understand, man, people get tired. I, I, I get it, you know. But you want to know what? You know what pushes me beyond those moments? Forget about Sunday morning. You know what pushes me beyond those moments that I don't feel like doing stuff? It is not because I have a deadline to meet. It's not it. It's not because I got to fulfill. It is because of the grace of God. That's why I tell you. You know what we need to do? We need to make it a point to daily meditate on the in, the indicatives of the gospel what have already been done for us, meditating on those things daily, communicating with God and and, and being reminded of those things on a daily basis because then you know what, when it comes time for those difficult moments that you don't want to continue forward, you know what you'll do? You will humble yourself and say, God, I don't really feel like doing this, but I do this for your glory and for your honor. And so my closing question is this, are you living as though God is with you? Are you living as though God is with you? That's the question. Are you living as though he's with you? Are you living in the fear of the Lord? Are you living in a manner that that is like, man, God is with me. I'm living for his glory. I'm living in obedience. I'm walking in his peace that he's provided for me. I'm not living in my own peace. I'm not seeking another peace outside of Christ. Are you living as though he's there? Are you living in his truth? Are you living what the Word of God says? Are you obeying the Scriptures? Are you excusing your sin because you feel like, man, I can do what I want to do? Or are you saying, God, I can't live how I want to live. I need to live for your glory because your Word says something I need to respond to. Are you living like that or are you living for your own glory? Are you living based upon your own truth? Are you living based upon the truth of the culture? How is it that you are living? Are you living in the truth? Are you living in the peace? Are you living a life that is grateful for the grace of God? Are you living a life that says, "Man, God, I thank you for what you've done for me. I thank you for the life that I have. I thank you, like my brother, like my brother Norbert said, I thank you for the air I'm breathing today." Are you living like that, or are you living ungrateful? You're living like God owes you something, or someone owes you something, because you don't know, but someone owes you something. How are you living? And I hope, I hope that you're living as though God is with you, because if you're his child, he is with you. And even if you've been living like he's not with you and you are his child, guess what? He calls you back to that place of gratefulness. He calls you back to that place of peace. He calls you back to that place of truth. And if you are not his child in this place today, and how do you know if you're his child? Well, if you're not living for him, then you're not his child. I'm just saying. If you're not his child today. He calls you to repent of your sins. He calls you to turn from He calls you to confess your sin. He calls you to turn from your sin and to turn to him and ask him for forgiveness and ask him to be the Lord of your life. Ask him to lead your life. Ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's pray together today, please. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. And if you're in here today and you say, God, I want to live as though you're with me. And you know that you haven't. You haven't been walking in peace with him. You haven't been walking in the truth of scripture. You haven't been living grateful for his grace. If that's you and you just say, man, God, I want to. I want you to just humble your heart before him right where you're at. And as I pray, I want you to ask him for forgiveness. I want you to ask him to strengthen you. And if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus, today's an opportunity for you to confess your sin to him. If you're not walking with him, maybe you grew up in church, maybe you were raised in church, I don't know. And you, and you need a relationship with God. You're not walking with him like you need to. Today he calls you. Humble your heart before him. And when you walk by me in those doors in the back, just let me know that you prayed as I pray today and that you want to further your walk with Christ. Bow your heads, let's pray together. Father God, we come to you right now and we humble ourselves before you. But well, we thank you so much because it is not a question is if, you, or if you're with us, but we know that you are. We know that your word declares that you're with us, and so we are grateful for that reality. We're grateful that you are there. We're grateful that you love us. We're grateful that you are merciful and kind to us. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, fill us with a fresh hunger for you. Fill us with a great thirst for you. Fill us with a desire to walk with you, Lord God. Help us to live knowing that you're there, my God. I pray for those who are not walking in peace with you today. I pray for those, Lord God, who have not walked in a a place of repentance, who have not turned from their sin, who are still living for their own glory, who are still living their lives for themselves. Lord, I pray that you would turn them unto you. I pray that you would give them a repentant heart. I pray that they would ask you to forgive them. I pray that they would ask you to fill them. I pray that you would ask them, Lord God, that they would ask you, Lord God, to lead their lives, my God. I pray, Jesus, that you would help us to live for your glory as your people. Give us the strength to stand up for the truth in the midst of a culture that denies your absolute truth. Give us the boldness, my God, to proclaim your grace unto a world that needs to hear it. Help us to walk in your perfect peace, Lord God. We thank you for this, and we pray this in the good name of Jesus. Everyone said, Man, come on, give God a hand of praise. He is worthy.